0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Flatlining Podcast from Fulcrum Strategies. I'm Matthew Hambly and with me is our president and CEO and economist, Ron Howergan. Ron, how are you, sir?
1: Um, other than still recovering from watching a Super Bowl that didn't have our Lions in it, not too bad. You know, um, not I, too bad at all.
0: I, when it went into overtime, I thought, man, this is really dragging out, because my personal opinion was it was just not a very exciting game until right at the end.
1: Yeah, the first half was not great. It, it got good at the end. And and at least both you and I can say that our Lions did beat the Chiefs. So yes, we, they, know, we do have one up on the, yep. the Super Bowl champs that we did defeat them. That is true. Um, and we can also look forward to next year.
0: So. And we can look forward to next year in Detroit as the NFL draft will be there this summer. Uh, that which is going to be interesting. I know the city's gearing up for that as well. I, I, I'll i just end with this on this little uh, aside, but I saw that uh, in the Detroit Free Press that Meyer stores in Michigan. It's kind of like a Walmart. Uh, they, their bakeries were selling cakes that said, who knows versus who cares, go Lions, as for yeah, the Super I saw Bowl that. parties. Yep. So uh, anyway, yeah, maybe next year. Um, anyway. Uh, I hope everyone had a good weekend and you are recovering from the Super Bowl and any of those other, uh, you know, totally unhealthy snacks that we were eating during the game. Uh, We got a couple things to talk about, including perhaps some unhealthy politics. And that is, once again, the Medicare fee schedule. Um, Ron, I had a conversation with one of my clients today. They were they wanted to know there's talk about some of the some senators working together to rewrite the part about the Medicare fee schedule where it gets cut every year. They seem to be kind of hopeful, maybe hopeful. What's your take on what's going on right now in Washington with the Medicare fee schedule?
1: Yeah, the first thing I would say is, you know, there could be legislation that gets rid of it. I mean, stranger things have happened. I doubt it. Um, You know, I've talked to several people about this. And I think, you know, some of the folks in Congress are well-meaning and really would like to get rid of the cut. But um, some of the other folks who are sort of rallying behind this cause are doing it to get lobbying money right now. Yeah. In in an election year, Um, and the biggest problem is you know right now, and this is not a a shot at either party because I think both are guilty of this. We have an incredibly dysfunctional Congress that can't seem to do much of anything. Yeah, Um, you know you see, um, you know the Republicans not being able to get a vote on impeachment out of the House when they thought they had the votes. Oops. Um, We now saw the Senate passing an aid bill by a wide margin. Um, just, I think, last night um, Mm -hmm. for aid for Ukraine and Israel. And the current thinking is it won't even get a vote in the House because the Speaker's not going to let it vote. So with those kind of things going on and not being able to get pushed through Congress, I don't see how this is ever going to get the attention it deserves or anything close to a vote. So Right now, if I were a betting man and I were in Vegas uh, and there was a line on, is the cut going to stick? That's where I'd put my money. Yeah, because I think it is going to stick. And physicians need to just accept that and move on.
0: And, and that's it's unfortunate for you know for physicians that have a lot of Medicare patients, but it's also unfortunate yeah. when your contract is tied to a current year Medicare or a floating year Medicare rather than a fixed year. And that's one of the things I know we really push for. In these negotiations with the payers is you know get it fixed to a year of medicare so you're not having to worry about the cut every year for commercial patients
1: yeah exactly because then what you can be looking at is you know almost a four percent cut in medicare and almost a four percent cut in the rest of your commercial contracts Mm -hmm. at the same time when and you know and everybody's talked about how inflation is going away it's going away last number i just saw that last month it was 3.1 percent higher than what the fed thought it was going to be so you know, if you've got 3% inflation and a 4% revenue cut, that's a pretty bad situation to be in. And a lot of physicians are finding themselves in that situation right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we'll keep you updated on the Medicare fee schedule if, and I think that's an unlikely if at this point, uh, something happens. Uh, we'll let you know here on the Flatlining podcast. Right now, though, we want to switch to something else. And that is another uh, lobbying situation happening now in Congress. Um, a According to Kaiser Family Foundation Health News, KFF Health News, there is a new push in Washington among hospital lobby groups to keep the side of service differential. And so, Ron, I want to back up a little bit and and talk about this for a little bit more of the laity listening to this program. You know, what is the side of service differential and why is it that things done at a hospital are paid differently than things done at an office?
1: So the site of service differential is there are things that are overlapped between things that can get done at a hospital, um, also done in a, in a physician's office, mm-hmm. things like mammographies, colonoscopies, certain lab tests, et cetera. Um, and one would think, well, if it's the exact same service, shouldn't Medicare pay the same regardless of whether it's a doctor's office or hospital? But they don't. They pay hospitals significantly more, sometimes multiples more than what they would pay a doctor for the same service. Um, so that's what the differential is, and it causes Medicare an awful lot of money. Now, the rationale, and it depends on who you talk to on the rationale for this, is you know, the rationale is hospitals will say, well, we have higher cost and we provide a lot of free care because we've got to have an emergency room staffed, et cetera. Some hospitals will try to argue that there's a different quality level or a different safety level at a hospital. I tend to think it may be a little bit of those things, but it was a lot about lobbying capability of the hospital association versus let's say doctors who tend to be more of a disjointed lobby right the hospitals do a pretty good job and and again i want to make sure I, it's not that the hospitals are reaping massive profits of this this helps make up for what they get underpaid by medicare for inpatient mm-hmm. services because you know medicare doesn't cover the cost that it you know that hospitals would need to provide that care but this one's a difficult one because doctors say, well, it's unfair. I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm getting paid half of what that hospital gets paid right. for the same service. So that's what the issue is.
0: And, and you have the issue of, of doctors complaining that they're getting paid half of, of the same service. But then you have others, uh, including I was just looking at here, Families USA, which is a healthcare care um, kind of, you know, one of these proto political lobbying you know, advocacy kind of companies that thinks that actually the hospitals should be paid less uh, and be paid at the same rate the physicians are paid at and working yeah. in the reverse there. Um, in December, the House passed the bill that required Medicare to pay the same rates for medical infusions like chemotherapy and some autoimmune conditions. Um it's they're talking about it as site neutral payment and it uh, it's not passed the Senate yet. This is where Senate, excuse me, this is where some of that lobbying has taken place. What do you think would happen to America's hospitals? Um, if anything, you know, just totally out there to see what your what your thoughts are. What would happen to America's hospitals if we got rid of the site of service differential and had site neutral payments? Um, say just for chemo, these medical infusions right now, like chemotherapy, but then also any other service that could be done at either at either place?
1: Well, if you look at it in total, and I've not seen any numbers on just the infusion, but I think what the hospital association is worried about is it's a slippery slope. Once you get that one, then the rest of them are fairly easy. If you look at it in total on what Medicare is going to spend or what they would save if they got rid of that site differential over the next decade, it's about 37 Billion dollars. Now that's a uh, you know a governmental estimate, which is probably I would guess a little light, but let's call it four billion dollars. Four billion dollars of expense saving to Medicare is four billion dollars of revenue to someone else, mm-hmm. and and that revenue isn't easy to replace. And so there is a legitimate argument that the more you cut reimbursement, whether it's these cuts to physicians or whether it's cutting four billion dollars over ten years from hospital payments or outpatient it's, it's gonna have a negative impact. And, and what the hospital association argues, and I think they're probably right, is that you're gonna have some facilities, particularly in rural areas, start to shut down. Yeah. Um, and so it's this really difficult scenario to go, well, I don't like the idea I'm paying more for the same service that I could buy somewhere else. I can't afford to bring the doctors up to that level of pay because now I'm spending even more money. Mm-hmm. And if I cut it out of the Medicare budget, Oh, well, how many hospitals are gonna fail? And, and I think, you know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting in the article is you sort of see the problem that creates for legislators, for senators. And I love the quote from from uh, Senator Bill Cassidy, who's a, who's a physician, he was, mm-hmm. he was a pathologist, where his quote was, and, and talk about trying to walk on top of that fence. In some cases, he said, Medicare payments or hospitals are justified. In some cases, it doesn't seem to be, he said. Yeah. Okay, well, let's have both sides of the issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's right and it's wrong at the same time now, right. you know, but but he's right. You know, in, in some cases, it's justified in that it's probably propping up a rural hospital. And in other cases, there are hospitals that are getting twice as much money for a chemotherapy regimen as a doctor would get in their office and there really isn't a quality difference, Right. so. You know, that's it's a difficult issue.
0: And, you know, it's interesting you bring up Senator Bill Cassidy mentioned in this article, Republican from Louisiana. This it's important to note that this isn't necessarily a political issue because this Well, I shouldn't say it's a political issue. It is a political issue. It's not a partisan issue necessarily. Uh, you had in the House this bill that passed the the lower costs, more transparency act, which included getting rid of the site of service differential. It was bipartisan with actually more Republicans uh, than Democrats voting in favor of it. And in the Senate, you have seemingly more bipartisan opposition to this kind of uh, change with uh, Senator Ron Wyden from from Oregon, Democrat yeah. of Oregon, saying that he's concerned about it over exactly what you talked about. What would happen to rural
1: hospitals? Well, and look at, and here's a perfect example of what you're talking about. Okay, you got Wyden from Oregon, and you got Cassidy from Louisiana. Now, the two of those guys don't agree on a whole heck of a lot. No. Okay. (laughs) But what is in common there? Both of those senators represent states with large rural areas. Mm -hmm. You know, Oregon has Portland, which is really the only big city. Louisiana has New Orleans. The rest of those states are pretty rural. Yep. And so I'm sure they are worried about what would happen with the rural hospitals in their states. Other states with less rural population, a lot of the Northeast states, et cetera, you know, Massachusetts, et cetera, um, that don't have as much area that you would consider rural, probably aren't as worried about it. Um, so I think that's why it's not a partisan scenario. It's more to, to, along the lines of, well, what does your state have or need and how much rural hospitals or rural health care gets provided in those states? Yeah. And that's why you can see a guy, you know, somebody like Cassidy and Wyden, who probably couldn't agree on what to have for lunch together, agreeing on this issue. Yeah. You know? uh,
0: there's some talk that the, the site neutral provision in the House bill might make it into the uh, government spending bill that needs to be passed next month in order to keep the government open. Um, do you think that that's possible, that, that it might get slipped in there? Or do you think that'll be cut out? Or you know, do you even think we'll, we'll get a spending bill next month? Uh,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, first question, are we gonna get a spending bill? Who knows? Yeah. Um, I could see it getting slipped in there because part of what it does, and this is one of the challenges that they have, whether it's with the aid packages or the spending bills, is you know, you've know you got a fairly large contingent, more in the House than the Senate, of people who say, hey, if you're gonna want to pay for it, you've gotta show me how you're gonna fund it, Right. You know, the pay-fors and do-fors. Um, and I could see somebody going, well, if we want to pay for these other things over here, here's a way to save $3.7 billion over the next year, 10 years and finance these other things. Um, so I could see it getting slipped in because of that. The problem is, and this is one of those sort of Congress is a bit dysfunctional right now, for every vote you get in favor of that spending bill because you've added this $3.7 billion a cut, you probably lose a vote for somebody who goes, no, I'm not going to vote for something that's going to... You know, do what I think is damage to rural healthcare, right? In um, rural hospitals, so it, you know the 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 vote counting math is like calculus right now in in Congress, as we've seen with some things that have failed. Right. Um, let's let's stretch this out, and you know,
0: let's go down that slippery slope a little bit. What do you think would happen if, say, you you got a maybe a neutral uh, site payment program, site neutral payment program? Mm-hmm. Um, what about getting rid of the um the regional changes to the Medicare fee schedule to the RVUs? You know, what, what do you think would happen what what do you think happens there? Who who benefits and who who would lose out on something like that?
1: You mean the the cost of living adjustments Yeah, cost of living, living adjustments
0: for by yeah. region, yep.
1: I you know, I think you're going to have a hard time getting rid of the cost of living adjustments by region because they're more they're more grounded in in logic and fact, I mean, and I'll I'll use the extremes. If you lose like the the highest Medicare reimbursing geographic Los Angeles, mm-hmm. okay, compared to the lowest is Mississippi. Well, I think anybody would look at that and say, you know what, the cost of providing care in Mississippi is very different than it is in L.A. Sure, I mean, if you just look at the rent for a building and the cost, you know, the the average salary of a nurse, and so that those geographic adjustments in Medicare, first of all feel like they're based in logic, they're based in, in some some research. And the relative difference it seems to be, and this is anecdotal, to be roughly the same. So mm-hmm. if you look at me- what Medicare pays for an office visit in Los Angeles compared to Mississippi, Los Angeles is about twice sure. what the reimbursement. Well, that feels to me like a probably about the right thing, maybe even a little bit light when you look at cost of housing and labor and stuff in LA versus you know, Biloxi. Mm-hmm. So- so I, I don't see that one being touched because of that. It, it, it makes sense. And I would
0: assume that as we see more and more lobbying from groups for nurse practitioners and, and physicians mm-hmm. assistants, you're not going to see any um, any change to the differential between how an MD or a DO gets paid versus a, a mid-level.
1: Yeah, I don't think we'll see that either.
0: Yeah. We'll have this article posted in the show notes for the program. Uh, Ron, I wanted to run two other quick things by you while I've got you this afternoon. Uh, the first one is a, an article that popped up today in STAT about a pharma lawsuit, and that's pharma, the, uh, the drug lobbying uh, company, uh, who is suing the Biden administration over the new Medicare drug price negotiation program, arguing that it wasn't uh, constitutional, um, got tossed out. What do you think?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, it, it, they had to try. You know, I mean, this is a for them a slippery slope as well. The government um, negotiating, which it really won't be much of a negotiation, right? Um, on these drug pricing things. So they had to try, if nothing more, it's at least a stalling uh, tactic. I fully expect that they're going to try to petition the Supreme Court on this, um, because they, you know, they clearly went in under an argument that it was not constitutional, which sets them up for the Supreme Court. Um, and given the nature of the court, I think they think they have a chance of winning in the Supreme court. Yeah. So uh, it didn't surprise me. They got thrown out. I don't potentially see a constitutionality issue with it. Um, but I also expect it to go to the Supreme court and then, you know, it could be a whole new ball game. Yeah. Uh, I know
0: Merck, uh, Bristol Myers, Squibb, Johnson and Johnson have all, uh, filed lawsuits and actually AstraZeneca is in the midst of their first, mm-hmm. uh, drug round, drug negotiations, first round of drug negotiations. Uh, and they've actually filed a challenge against the federal government based off how that negotiation is going. Uh, the other one I wanted to talk to you about, Ron, is a FTC ruling uh, that obtained a $195 million judgment against uh, a Florida payer called Simple Health Plans uh, because they were selling uh, what they called a sham health plan that, quote, effectively left consumers uninsured and exposed to limitless medical expenses. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about this and and how this particular ruling came about?
1: Yeah. So basically, you know, what they were selling was, and the FTC found that what they were selling was sort of a misleading product that, that consumers thought they were buying insurance. They thought they were buying, and, and a lot of it had to do with how they were advertising it. Um, that what they were buying was coverage for, you know, for, prescription medications, etc., And then the actual insurance really didn't cover much of any of that. It had preexisting condition exclusions that were broad enough to drive a bus through. And so these people paid for all this stuff. And then when they'd file a claim, there was the, uh-oh, no, that's not covered. And that's not covered. And the response from this unscrupulous company, Simple Health, um, was, oh, well, you should have read the fine print. And, and basically the FTC went after him and said, no, no, you can't. You mislead people in the way you advertise and right. the way you market and the way you sell and, and they won and, and they should have. Um, and to me, you know, and healthcare is no different than a lot of other things. Um, sort of buyer beware. Um, and what people need to be careful of, and, and healthcare is worse because of how bad it can get when you need it. And if you don't have coverage, how expensive it can get is that there are a lot of things out there that you think are insurance that really aren't. And some of them are perfectly fine and are good, you know, whether these faith-based, you know, network payments, et cetera, mm-hmm. or. FOSA. But you really need to get into the details because something like Simple Health was being very unscrupulous and and, and misleading. And like I said, and these others, some of these faith-based programs, are actually do very well for their consumers. Mm-hmm. But you also need to understand that's not a regulated insurance company, yep. and so you're taking some amount of risks. So. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate that people prey on, um, you know, people who are looking for, for help like that, um, but they do. And I was glad to see the FTC shut them down, and hopefully it'll be a warning to anyone else who wants to do this stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I know we talked previously about uh, one of those health shares, the faith-based health shares, um, mm-hmm. that uh, they were their issue was less that it was they weren't doing what they said they were going to do, but more that they just stopped paying claims. Um, and it was putting some patients in a tough spot because essentially they're a cash pay patient. You know, when they go to the yeah. doctor, and then now their doctor's going to a couple of them. They their doctor said, "We're not going to see you anymore because we're not getting paid." You know, and it's it's exactly. not entirely the the person's fault. Um, it's because of the company they they worked with uh, wasn't going to or stop paying their claims. Um, we'll have this article. Go ahead. You sound like you're going to say
1: something. No, I was just going to say, and 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 what we point out during that story is. You know, one of the nice things, and I'm not a huge, like, the government guy, but one of the nice things about insurance regulators, et cetera, is... We've seen other insurance companies that were truly insurance companies go under, and the state goes in and takes a bunch of money and says, I'm going to reserve this money, almost like escrow, to mm-hmm. pay out these claims to protect the consumer. Right. And those protections are there when it is an insurance company. It wasn't with things like Simple Health or, you know, yep. some of these faith-based things. So that's, the, that's really the difference. Yep.
0: A little bit of regulation goes a long way. That's, yes. that's something I've thought about. Uh, you know, I, I agree with you. You're not usually big into regulation, but a little bit can go a long way. Uh, We'll have these articles in the show notes if you want to do more reading. You can also leave a comment wherever you're listening or at flatlining.net. Ron, uh, we're just about out of time, so thank you again for sitting down with me and uh, talking healthcare again today. Thank you. Miss an episode of the Flatlining Podcast? Well, now you can read a recap. Just go to flatlining.net and look right there on the homepage every Monday for a written recap on last week's episode.